let's invite our speaker for this morning. He, God is desiring and longing to speak to us like I want to talk to my son every day. Um, he's longing to speak to us. Let's prepare our hearts. Father in heaven, this morning, we want to thank you so much for the word. We want to thank you that you will speak to us through the word. Every distraction, audio or video or otherwise, remove it, Lord. Allow our hearts to tune in. There's so much that's happened this past week. So many stresses, so many different anxious thoughts, so many uh, things got left undone, uh, frustrations, regrets. Plus there's things we're planning and desiring to make happen. Uh, Lord, under the circumstances and in this given situation, this has been the weirdest year ever. But Lord, we want you to, to, give, to, to help us just suspend all of that and enter into your presence and learn and listen to what is important to you to what is important to you. If we were in a conversation with somebody we respected, we would let that person speak first. If we were in a conversation with someone we respected, we'd let that person talk about what they want to talk about. And we would show an interest. And even if we were not interested, we would get interested because we respect and love that person. The same goes with the word of God. Lord, our hearts and our, our, our my spirits may not be hungry for God's word because of the busyness and the things that have filled our hearts over the over the week but lord because we love you help us to listen in and when we have heard your voice we will know your heart for us and for uh, and for your people thank you father god that your word always speaks thank you father god that the bible talks thank you that the bible speaks for itself and doesn't need me or anybody else to explain it lord lift your word out of its pages uh, and 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 make uh, give us light this morning. I pray in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. Okay, let's begin. Uh, open your Bibles uh, to one John chapter two, and we're looking at verse twenty-eight through to uh, chapter three, verse ten. Okay, number uh, uh, chapter two of uh, of one John from verse twenty-eight through over into chapter three in the first ten verses of chapter three. Now, whenever a phrase, phrase is repeated over and over again, whenever it, it repeats itself, it's a cue. It's a cue, C-U-E, and it's a clue, C-L-U-E, okay? And that phrase in 1 John is abide in him, abide in him, abide in him, stay in him, dwell in him. And today, John is going to go to another level because he has talked about reasons and he's given us reasons and warnings about distractions He's warned us about divisions. He's warned us about deceptions. Today, he's going to warn us about disbelief. He's going to bring up the issue of disbelief. And if you, dis if you believe something, you're going to behave in a certain way. And that's what he's going to talk about. And the primary focus is to abide in him and the enemies of abiding in him or the things that keep us from abiding in him. All right. Um, uh, allow me to uh, actually read the passage for you slowly. Can I do that for you? Uh, because once we've read it through, it kind of frames our mind. And then I'll come back to, uh, to explaining it. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, and I'm reading from the ESV version in case your version differs. And now little children abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices right. See what kind of love 
the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. And so we, is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And we will be. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But you know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. You know that. So no one abides or no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Now, this segment begins with verse 28. Even though your chapter is two, weeks, two uh, verses later, it begins with verse 28. Uh, and it is a summary uh, of John's imperative to abide in him. Imperative means command. It is a summary of John's imperative to abide in him. So that's why he begins with the word and now. You see that in verse 28? And now. So that's a summary. Then he says, my little children or little children. Who's he talking to? He's talking to new people in the faith. New children. Those who are children in the faith. Remember we talked about this a couple of weeks ago? He talks to children. He talks to young men. And he talks to fathers. He talks to children. Talks to young men. Talks to fathers. These are maturity levels. And children need to believe in their father. Children need to understand whose children they are. You and I who have children have a hundred times over told our children, don't you know who you are? Don't you know whose children you are? How can you bring so much shame to us? Or how can you, you know how we talk, right? And we constantly remind them that they are our children and must therefore reflect our values. Huh? They must reflect our, our joys. They must reflect who we are and must bring praise and glory to our name, the family name. They must protect the family name. That's the same motif here. He says, little children, children in the faith. So he's talking to children. He's telling them why they have a good reason to believe that they are indeed the children of God. And why, and I want us to not miss this, that understanding truth, remember character and lifestyle always flow from truth. I repeat, character and lifestyle always flow from truth. Behavior always flows from belief. Okay? Behavior always flows from belief. So what, God, what uh, John is saying here, God's word is saying here, is that when little children keep their eyes on the Father, when they remember who they are and how loved they are, that will result in a behavior that reflects, accurately reflects the Father. So trying not to sin, is, it, it, it's, it's, it's difficult. 
it's hard and it's 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 not something that god wants us to focus on believing who we are and ref refreshing ourselves in who we are whose children we are that's what's going to be given that's what's going to give us the impetus and the motivation to stay out of sin so of course he's saying stay out of sin but the primary imperative here is abide in him if you abide in him you will not stay out of, you will stay out of sin but if you just trying to stay out of sin that's not necessarily going to help you to abide in him so it's a different focus here and the focus uh will will determine our function or our functionality so he's telling them why they have good reason he says if you believe we are his children you will abide in him if you believe you are his children you will abide in him why do your kids come home every day they go to school they go out to play why do they come home every day because they believe they are your children so they believe they belong in your home they treat everything in your house like their own why because they they believe they are your children they behave like you why because they believe you are they are your children so important to understand that the father child relationship the father child connection deeply affects character deeply affects the way they uh, uh, they behave so if we believe we are his children we will abide in him now let me quickly uh, point out here what we mean by children children of god as soon as you say that in a secular context in a workplace if you say that to a non believer or non christian everybody will immediately think of it from a different point of view so you must nail down the definition of what john says as a child of god or children of god everybody believes we are the children of god that means we are we belong to him and in a sense that we are his creation and all people are children of god yes yes wonderful hallelujah praise the lord but what john is talking about is you have been born of god you have been born of god you are the offspring the spiritual offspring of god god has given you a spiritual birth so when you think about john uh which where was that uh, i think it's john 3 and and other aspects of there where uh, where jesus is talking to nicodemus and he and and he's explaining why it is important to be born again he says uh, a man and a woman they come together and they desire to have a child and they do have a child but you have been born again not of flesh and blood and not of the will of any man but of the will of the father okay quoting from uh, the gospel of john so it's very important to understand that when god chooses for you to be born of him and you respond in faith and say i lord i want to be your child this new birth this spiritual birth gives you the character of god as soon as a baby is born what do you do as soon as the baby is born i don't know mostly women do this i have to this day not been able to see how this works but as soon as they see the baby they say immediately they say oh he's got your nose oh he's got your ears oh he's got your wallet something like that right immediately there is a you're trying to make a connection between the baby and the father or the baby and the mother why because you are looking for characteristics of the child from their parents John is saying if you are a child of God if you are born of God there's so so the definition of children of God are those who are born of God and as soon as you say you are a child of God you go looking for the character 
of God in you. You go looking for the nature of God in you. And that is what he has given to us. And I'll explain that in another time. Right. So we will, if we believe we are his children, we will abide in him. But if we don't believe that fundamental truth, Okay, I hope you're with me. If you don't believe that fundamental truth, it's going to show up in your life and character. So what do we believe? What do we believe? Whatever we believe will motivate us to abide in him, to come home, to return to him, to be in prayer, to live in him, to, to act like him. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. Jump into the text, 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. And now, little children, I just explained that to you. Abide in him. That's the phrase he's talking about over and over again. Why? So that, that's your purpose clause. Why do you want to abide in him? Because when he appears, we may have confidence. Now, he's going to bring in another topic, another theme that is a parallel theme in this. One of the biggest motivating factors, the strongest motivating factors for a believer to walk in him, to stay in him, to be prepared for him is the second coming of the Lord Jesus. He is going to come again. The first time he came, he came in the form of a man. And he took, on, he took on the flesh and he died for us and he became nothing and he was without his glory and he was without his praise and he was without his power. He came as nothing. He experienced death for us and he went back to heaven. Now he has been restored. And the second time he comes, he's going to come in his glory, in all of his grandeur, with his power. And there's going to be a different relationship that we have with him. And we are waiting for him when, for when he comes. That's just a brief summary. We'll unpack that later. So that when he appears, when he returns, when he comes, we may have, underline this, we may have confidence. John, hang on. Are you saying there's a chance that I'm a believer? I'm a child of God. I've been walking with the Lord for 31 years, 39 years now. And you and, and when Jesus comes, I could be ashamed. Are you telling me that I could be ashamed? Are you telling me that there, I might have some regrets? I might be looking for ducking for cover when Jesus comes? Why would that be, John? Well, if you're abiding in him, you have every reason to wait with outstretched necks, the Bible says. To wait with outstretched necks. Come, Lord Jesus. Anytime now, come. Because your focus is on him. Your focus is on his... And his and his return has been describing your life. You have no problem. His, his return is not going to be an interruption to your life, to your marriage, to your pursuits, to your dreams, to your ambitions. You want him to come. It will be the fulfillment of everything your life has been about. But if you are not abiding in him, if you're not living a life that's dwelling in Christ, in his purposes, in his direction, then when he comes, you'll be like, uh-oh. You will shrink away. He says you will shrink away. So we abide in him. Why? So that when he appears, we may, may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Verse 29. But if you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that what, what everyone who practices righteousness has been born of God. Please underline that. That is the theology and that is the scripture of what I just explained to you in the introduction. When you say a person is a child of God, it means that they by faith have been born again. They have been born of God. Don't dare say you're a child of God if you haven't actually been born of God. Because if you haven't been born of God, you do not have the nature of God. You do not have uh, God in you. The genes of God in you in that sense, right? So let's get into what motivates us. Verse 
chapter 3 verse 1 see see what kind of love some of us have grown up with the king james version and with the what manner of love you remember that behold what manner of love we've got a song after that but he says see what kind of love the father has loved us with or given us that we should be called the children of god and so we are what is he saying here he's not talking about everyone in the world he's talking about the love of the father that has drawn wayward children back to himself and those who returned in repentance he has made them his children once upon a time you were you were created to be born of god and you were separated from the father but you have come back to the father the love of god see behold examine what kind of love with which the father has loved the children that he should call us his children that he should call us his children that we should be born of him this birth this new birth this being born again is the lovingest that's not a word the lovingest act of the father the greatest act of god is to make us his child to allow us to bear his name to allow us to bear his character the reason why the world does not understand who we are or know us is because they don't know who he is verse 2 beloved See how now lovingly John is talking because he's talking to the family. He's talking to children. Beloved, we are God's children now. We are God's children now. We belong to him. His presence is home. We are God's children now. And we will be, and uh, what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is remember when i talked about his second coming and that's going to change the dynamic of our lifestyle because we are putting his, our hope in his second coming i want you to notice some things get your pen out and underline we are beloved we are the children of god now okay then what we will be you getting the tense here what we will be has not yet appeared hold hold what we will be has not yet no no he's not saying we have not yet appeared what we will be has not yet appeared what will we be good question but hold that thought but we know that when he appears we underline we shall we shall be like him okay so let's go over that again right we are we will be we shall be you got it one more time we are god's children now but we don't look like it we don't sound like it we don't act like it oh gosh there's no resemblance you know sometimes you're like and we did and we turn to our wife and she's just this must be your kid this is not my kid that's exactly what's going on here and john is like we are god's children now fact and what we will be has not yet appeared what is not yet appeared jesus jesus has not yet appeared what will we be like jesus he's the son he's the son that's what we are becoming so 
Write this down. It's bad grammar, but it's perfect truth. We are becoming what we already are. Write it down. We are becoming what we already are. Bad English, great theology. Again, we are becoming what we already are. See, because God doesn't have a chronology problem. God does not have a time problem. God works outside of time and God uh, makes possible his purposes over time. When did Jesus die? He died before the foundations of the world. When did you see him die? 2020 years ago, right? So Jesus had already died as the Lamb of God. When he was presented at the, at the, the baptism, John the Baptist presented him as the Lamb of God. How can you be the Lamb of God when you haven't died yet? But he has already given his life for Christ. For, he's already given his life uh, for us. But he is going to play that out in the next three years, and eventually he's going to go to the cross. So God's purposes are as sure as done. God's will for your life is as sure as done. God's promises for you are as sure as done. God's plan for your future is as sure as done. We live in the done. We live like it's done. It may be happening, but for God, it's happened. It may not look like it, but for God, it is. Are you with me? That's insane. That's amazing. Write it down. We are becoming what we already are. So, beloved, we are God's children now. Okay? Do we look like it? No. But we will be what? Like Jesus when? When he appears. Okay? And when he appears, write it down. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him. So there is an internal work that God the Father is doing in making us like Jesus. I repeat, listen to me. There is an internal work that God is doing and he is making you like Jesus. You are not becoming like Jesus. You don't even know what Jesus is like. You haven't met him yet. If you met him, you're dead. But God knows what he is doing in you and he is making you like Christ. What do you need to do to accommodate and facilitate what God is doing in your life? What do you need to do to become what you already are? Answer, abide in him. Abide in him. Stay in the game. Stay in the program. Stay in the fellowship. Stay in prayer. Stay in the word. Stay in the fellowship. Stay in prayer. Many of our small groups have stopped meeting. They're not praying anymore. Stay in prayer. Many of us haven't opened the Bible and just studied the word and enjoyed the word. Stay in the word. Many of us have given up the promises of God and are living for our own plans. Stay in his promises. So when he appears, we shall be. English teachers, what is the, what is the weight of the word shall? It's as good as done. It shall happen. Shall be done. Okay, because we shall see him as he is. So look at this, look at this, look at this. You see yourself as you are, but you are not what you see. Jesus has not yet come, so you don't see what you really are. When Jesus appears, you will see what you really are. Look at that last line. 
because we shall see him as he is and when we see him as he is we shall become as he is when we see him as he is we shall become what he is and everyone who has this hope underline underline everyone who has this hope what hope jesus is coming i'm going to see him and i'm going to see what i really am like what i'm really like who i really am who i really belong to what i really am all about everyone who has this hope purifies himself even as he is pure what does it mean to be pure it means to be uncontaminated unmixed uncontaminated unmixed set apart sanctified pure let's get into it verse 4 everyone everyone who makes a practice underline that phrase maybe it's different in your text makes a practice also of sinning also practices lawlessness uh, and sin is lawlessness so if you don't believe there's a law there's a law of love there's a law of grace you will not abide by that you know that he appeared to take away sins and in him there is no sin what do you believe you believe that he came to take away sin so when he came to take away sin how can you live in sin you believe that in him there is no sin so if you believe you are in him and that in him there is no sin i repeat if you are in him <coughs> excuse me if you believe you are in him and in him there is no sin then you will not sin you will not stay in sin you're like i'm not like i want to be like jesus that's not okay i want to be like jesus jesus wouldn't watch that i'm not going to watch that jesus is not okay with that i'm not okay with that i will not compromise and another word for compromise is be contaminated all right so you're going to find two points here in the scripture let scripture speak for itself verse 6 is point number 1 verse 6 makes the first big point no one who abides in him underline keeps on sinning is this a command or is this a description is this a command or is this a description is this a definition no one who abides in him keeps on sinning or makes a practice of sinning why why is this the case no one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him okay so to abide in him or to see him or to know him will result in not staying in sin what does that mean it means you will sin but you will not stay in sin you will fall but you will not stay down there you will get up you will move up you will move on okay so no one who abides in him keeps on sinning if you believe this you will experience it if you experience it you will respond to him seen him and known him i wish i could go deeper but my time is running out so revelation leads to repentance or revelation that led to repentance leads to repulsion revelation long ago when the gospel was given to you leads to repentance long ago when you gave your life to christ and you repented of your sin but that repentance made you a child of god so god put his seed in you god put his life in you god put his word in you his nature in you and now you find sin repulsive you can't be in the natural person and find sin repulsive a spiritual person will find sin repulsive so the natural or rather supernatural nature of the believer will find sin repulsive will find sin repulsive that means you'll fall in the ditch but you'll want to get out quick you'll fall in the mire but you won't get comfortable you'll go into darkness but you'll come running back into the light you'll walk away from god but you'll come running back into fellowship 
You'll quit prayer for a few days, but you'll come running back to prayer. You'll close your Bible for a few days, but you'll come running back. The, the, the seed in you will keep screaming out, you're a child of God. You're children of God. You're child of God. Remember the Father's love. Remember who you are. Remember home. Go home. Go home. Prodigal son, go home. Little children, verse 7. Let no one deceive you. Let no one deceive you. Because this is a belief issue. This is a belief issue. When you are living in sin, you're having a belief problem, not a behavior problem. So just trying to fix your behavior is not going to solve it. You need to fix a belief system. Okay? Because when you live in sin, you're behaving like a father, the devil. But when you live in, in righteousness, you're behaving like a father in heaven. So when you, uh, when, when, you, when you behave, it is a evidence of who you believe you are. I repeat, the way you behave is evidence of who you believe you are. And based on your belief, you will behave. So verse 7, whoever practices righteousness, right? In verse 6 is whoever keeps on sinning. But over here, whoever keeps on righteousness, practices righteousness, is righteous. Just like Jesus is righteous. Verse 8, the opposite, the antonym. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. Why? For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. That's his nature. That's his that's his agenda. So the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the wicked one. The reason the Son of God appears was to destroy. You see how I'm repeating the passage? I'm repeating scripture because I don't want to give you my opinion. I want to give you scripture. I want scripture to speak for itself. This is a believer's service. You don't need to be pandered. You just need to hear the word of God and the spirit of God in you will do its work. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Now, my brother and sister, as the children of God, why would we do the works of the devil, which we know the Son of God is going to destroy? Why would we do works that Jesus himself is going to destroy? Point number two is in verse nine. Verse six was no one who abides in him. Verse nine is no one born of God. Verse 6 was, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. Verse 9 is, no one who's born of God keeps on sinning or makes a practice of sinning. Are you watching this? You noting this? Okay. Why? Why? Here's the answer to the question. Why do believers, why would true children of God not stay in sin? The answer to the question is right here in this text. For God's seed abides in him. Write it down. Underline. Highlight photocopy, text, Instagram, do what you have to. For God's seed abides in him. That's the word of God. Remember Paul says this word, the seed has been born in your heart. The seed has born life in your heart. It is the word of God. And the word of God is the son of God. And the son of God is the character of God. He's the person of God. He is in you. You have now the DNA of the most high. You now have the DNA of the Most High God in your crumbling, withering, fading flesh. In these jars of clay, houses the character and the person of God. How can you keep on sinning? The presence of God will give you buoyancy that you may rise to the top and repel sin. 
the presence of God, the word of God, if you abide in him, in your life, if you abide in him, will give you buoyancy and will make you, make you repel sin. Sin will become repulsive to you. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Why? Because the seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning. You feel that? You feel that expression? And he cannot keep on sinning. Why? Because he is born of God. Not because he's cute. Not because he's Christian, Hindu, Muslim. Or, no. Not because he's Indian, American, and or, or, or Japanese. Because he is born of God. So someone who is born of God has the capacity and the potential to have the character of God because the word of God is in him. Nothing special about the jar of clay. Everything special about the seed within it. Nothing special about this jar of clay. Not me, but you. Everything special about the seed in it. He cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Churches that pander in the flesh, I repeat, churches that pander in the flesh and have an attraction uh, uh, scheme of bringing in people who are not truly born again will keep having to manau, 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 patau, patau, keep cajoling people to stay close to God and to abide in him. But churches that preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is, Repent, for you're a sinner. For Jesus has opened the windows of heaven by the blood that he shed on the cross so that you, by your faith, would be ushered by his grace into the presence of God that he, by his grace, might give you, by your faith, the new birth that brings you into the family of God and affords you the new creation and affords you the new character of God in your life by which you can live the life of Christ, not in your flesh, not in your strength, so that no man may boast, but by the grace of God. That is the gospel to which you have been called. That is what you have believed. And the children of God, you are. You are the children of God. And a church that teaches and preaches that gospel doesn't have to tell its people, please pray, please read the word, please abide in him, please stay close to God and inspire, inspire after inspire, inspiration after inspiration, talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk Sunday after Sunday, just to keep people thinking nicely about Jesus. Ah! Terrible. Terrible. We are not that. We are born of God. We have considered the love of the Father. We have considered that the Son of God came to destroy sin. We have considered and hope in the return of the Lord Jesus. And thus we hope we purify ourselves and we abide in him because we are truly the children of God. And we are the children of God, not because of our faith, but because of his grace, not because of our, uh, our works, but because of his works and his seed is in us i hope i've made myself very clear passionately clear verse 9 says no one born of god makes a practice of sinning for god's seed is in him it abides in him so like the seed abides in him you need to abide in christ like the seed lives and works itself in him you live and work yourself in christ let's close verse 10 by this it is evident by this it is evident 
that we are the children of God and we are the children and who are the children of the devil you know by this whoever does not practice the righteousness or rather whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God and no one who loves his brother either let me give you two evidences of being born of God number one write it down first evidence you practice righteousness you stay righteous you keep righteousness you live in righteousness you keep on doing right things the focus is not doing wrong things sorry the focus is not not doing wrong things the focus is not on not sinning the focus is on doing righteousness if you stay in prayer why are you not able to find time for prayer why are you not able to find a desire to get into the god, word of god why are you not able to put the word of god the people of god and the, and the purpose of god first in your life you will if you are a child of god practice righteousness practice what is right and the hunger for righteousness grows second you will love your brother when this is in place the second thing is you will begin to be able to love your brother who's your brother another one who's born of god what does loving your brother mean forgiving forgiving small groups have fallen apart because you are not able to forgive each other relationships have fallen apart because you are not able to forgive each other marriages are falling apart because you are not able to forgive each other because love is forgiveness and forgiveness is love and there's no other definition for love it is not sex it is not giving it is not christmas it is not uh, charity love is forgiveness forgiveness is love and if the love of god is in your heart the forgiveness of god is in your heart and by this we know you are a child of god forgiving comes naturally forgiving comes naturally no frothing at the mouth and fretting and okay fine fine okay fine i forget no none of that nonsense it comes naturally let it go let it go why because ungodly sentiments ungodly things ungodly solutions ungodly passions don't stick to you they don't stick to you they repel you you repel them two evidences of being born of god you practice righteousness not that you don't practice sinfulness but you practice righteousness number 2 you love your brother brother family of god love forgiveness so let me tell you two things the primary differentiator and the primary motivating factor the primary differentiator between those born of god and those not born of god is their inability to remain in sin the primary differentiator between those born of god and those not born of god is their inability to remain in sin that means that means here's the good news both sin you will sin we all sin children of god sin not children of god also sin but children of god cannot stay there they cannot live in sin one is uncomfortable one is one is comfortable one is grossly uncomfortable to one it is natural to do the things that are ungodly to the other it is unnatural to one it is tolerable to the other it is intolerable that's the primary differentiator the primary primary motivating factor for believers to abide in christ is oh what manner of love the father has loved us that he should call us the children of god my brother and sister if you ever if you've gotten over that get on your knees and listen to some worship music preferably really old worship music 
Get on your knees and spend some time in the word of God. Read the Psalms over and over again. Let the word get back to a place where you remember and your heart is filled with the love of God. What is love? Forgiveness. What is forgiveness? Love. When you remember how much you have been forgiven. How much you have been forgiven. Unbelievers do not know this father, this love, this forgiveness. So how can they, how can they know what it's like to repel sin? Believers cannot ignore the father's love. Believers cannot ignore the father's love. Return to a place where you remember again what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us. There was a father who had an incorrigible son, incorrigible son. And he was just a waste of flesh and blood. And he kept on wasting his time, wasting his father's money, and wasting everything that the father gave to him. But the father loved the son dearly. And the father hoped in his son. One son, he hoped in his son. But the father was exasperated with this boy. And he said to this boy, listen, you know what? You want to leave home? And you want to spend all your money? I know you'll do that. You want to leave home, you're running away and you want to spend all your, I know one day you will have nothing. And you know what? When you finish every last pie that I've given to you and when you are bankrupt and when you're poor and you've got nothing, I want you to come back home and you see this big log that holds up the, the roof of our house. I want you to tie a rope around that log and I want you to hang yourself. When you have finished everything, I want you to come back home. I want you to tie a log, a rope to this log right here in this room, right here in the middle. And I want you to hang yourself. The boy left. The boy spent all of his father's money and he left everything and gave up everything and wasted everything. And in that day, he remembered what his father had told him. So he said, I'm going to go back home. I'm going to hang myself on that log. So he came home. He put a chair. He stepped on that chair, took the rope, tied that rope. And that, that, that roof of the, of the house had an attic. Sorry, it had like, a, like a, an area there above the false ceiling. And that log was holding up that whole false ceiling. And he tied a rope around that log and he hung himself and as he hung himself that log broke in half the roof opened up and out of that came wealth that covered him money and gold and precious stones that covered him and he sat on the floor there absolutely poured out overcome and overwhelmed with more wealth than he had ever seen or wasted. That is the love of the father. When you have lost everything and when you think you have gone so far that you could never reclaim the love of, of the father, he comes back to you with greater measure than he has ever loved you with. And when a believer lives in that realization, lives in the moment, lives in the, in the knowledge of how much he's being loved, being loved. What does love mean? Forgiveness. What is forgiveness? Love. He is being forgiven. How much every day, every day, he covers you. He covers you. 
He knows your thoughts. He knows your thoughts. He knows how far your heart is from him sometimes. He knows what goes through your mind. He knows you, but he covers you. He covers you with his love, with his forgiveness. And when you think you've run out of mercy, you wake up in the morning with new mercy. When you think you've run out of his, his, his confidence and his belief in you, his promises in you, he, he speaks new promises to you. He never gives up. He never gives up. He never lets go. Men, you think God is like your dad, like your father. You think God is still waiting for your approval. He has your approval. He has already approved you because he has placed you in Jesus and Jesus has already won approval. You are in Christ. See what manner of love the father has loved you with. That you should be called the children, that you are the children of God. And you are the children of God because he wanted it and he has placed his seed in you. So if his seed abides in you, my brother, you abide in him. If his seed abides in you, my sister, you abide in him. What do you need to set right? What do you need to put right today? What do you need to do to respond to this message? Just take a moment to be quiet in his presence. And to remember, to remember what it took for God to forgive me. How do you measure the love of God? By how much he has forgiven you. How do you measure the love of God? By how much he has forgiven you. So the real question is, how much do you think he has forgiven you? <laughs>